Welcome back, everyone, to the Sit Down Community Podcast. This is your host, Stephanie Shaw. And as I say every week, I'm so excited for this guest we have with us. She is a dear friend of mine who's walked through so many different seasons and is just really going to bring such a good word um, just for all you moms out there, whether you are a first-time mom, a pandemic mom, or a seasoned mom, this one's for you. Um, So Katrina, start us off. Introduce who you are, my friend. Yes, like Stephanie said, my name is Katrina Belk. Um, I have a nine-month-old daughter. I think she'll probably be 10 months when we actually hear this come out. And so I feel very unqualified um, to speak on parenting, but I do feel like I have been given just like a different insight and different perspective um, that through conversations Stephanie I've had, um, she asked me to come talk. So super excited to be um, with you, Steph. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it is an honor um, to join you in this space. So yeah, I live in Nevada. I work from home. Um, I've been married for almost two years and yeah, it's been, it's been a ride. Um, so as you said, a pandemic mom, hello, it is me. Uh, I am one. (laughs) Um, and that has been a really, really interesting experience. So yeah, absolutely. We're so glad to have you. Why don't we start off um, just by talking a little bit about what it's been like being a mom? Let's take the pandemic out of it. We don't have to, you know, <laughs> hyper-focus on that, but, um, you know, you've shared uh, just your, your experience of what it's like becoming a mom and, you know, navigating uh, your first few years of marriage too. What has that been like? Yeah, I think that... Um it's been really interesting to, it's hard to take something out of that's been such a big part. Right. So like, we don't want to focus on, um, what 2020 looked like. Um, but it was an impact of how our pregnancy went, how our birth went, how our recovery and, um, parenting journey began. And so I would say just to sum it up quickly, like it is nothing, um, nothing like I could expect and everything that I imagined. Right. So it's, it's, it's yes. And, um, it's, it's more than you could ask for. It's the greatest gift. Um, but there's just challenges that you couldn't expect or anticipate until you're in it. Right. So we've had, um, so many wise women come before us and they share their own stories. They share what they learned, what they did differently, how they wish things would have gone. Um, but until you're in it, it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know until you don't know. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting to, to be married for a couple months and then the world shut down. Um, and now the world's kind of reopening slowly where we're like, wait, you have to leave the house. This is confusing. Um, so we've really enjoyed being in like such a small circle and in a pretty not intense quarantine, but we took it really seriously and we still are. Um, I was pregnant right as everything shut down and there was no research. There was no indication, you know, it was, we didn't know what happened to pregnancy and to unborn babies at that time. And so we weren't willing to chance it. Um, and we took our quarantine very seriously. Um, we saw my husband's family and cause we lived in Southern California at that time. And that's really it. Like we didn't see friends. We, we just didn't, um, I work from the house. Uh, I have a full-time job and I've been in that space for three and a half years. So nothing changed for my work other than it being super busy. Um, and then Joel had to adjust how he does his job 
but other than that, I mean, we went to work, we came home and as a couple, we really loved that quality time together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it really established our foundation, um, as a married couple. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it was (laughs) not how we anticipated our marriage getting started, um, Mm -hmm. or our parenting journey getting started. Um, but yeah, here we are, here we are right on the 18 or so months later. Mm -hmm. Um, and initially I had a really hard time with like being a pandemic parent. Cause it wasn't, you know, Emmy was very much prayed for and, um, right. we fasted in the beginning of 2020 and we asked the Lord from our marriage counselors and said, Hey, have you prayed about when to start a family? <laughs> like, mm, no, <laughs> like we just didn't think through like, I don't know, the biggest decision of your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the Lord was very clear that we were to start trying in March, 2021. And here we are. So, um, we're very thankful. Huh? March, 2020, March, 2020. Yep. And we're like, okay. And then here we are. Baby was born December, 2020. So you do, you know, you do the math, but, um, so that all happened as the world shut down. And so that was challenging. Um, going through doctor's appointments by yourself and Joel couldn't go to ultrasounds. And, mm-hmm. um, when I had a couple of traumatic ER experiences with our pregnancy, like Joel couldn't be there. He had to wait in the hospital, not in the hospital waiting room. Like sometimes he had to wait in his truck cause he couldn't come in. So mm-hmm. that was super hard. Um, thankfully he was there for the birth, but you just don't know, like, had I tested positive or had he tested positive, like we were told he wouldn't be able to join. And so, yeah, that, caused high blood pressure and all the other things, but mm-hmm. you know, we can move past that. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how was it in terms of, you know, Joel couldn't come to those things. And, um, do you feel like, I mean, you guys have handled it so well, at least from my perspective, but did you feel like you were kind of gypped of the typical? Oh, and hundred percent. Yeah. How did you both together, but also just by yourself with God? Yeah. I remember. So we had our ultrasound plan for, we went to our first doctor's appointment. They're like, yeah, you're pregnant. And I was like, yeah, I know that. I'm like, great. Here's your pay. Like, pay us. I was like, I could have told you that you didn't do anything here. Yeah. Um, but then we had our next appointment for about two or three weeks later. And that was our first ultrasound. And Joel was able to come at that time. Um, initially we made the appointment and they called me like three days before and they're like, Hey, just a heads up. We want to let you know our new policy. No visitors are allowed. And I just like broke down. I was like, no, no, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Like, please. It's our first kid. It was on my birthday, like a whole thing. Oh, yeah. And they're like, we're so sorry. There's nothing we can do. And I was like, do we switch doctors? Like what, you know, and I was like, no, no, no. I, I felt really confident that we needed, cause we had also moved in that time. We moved from one city to another. And I was like, do we switch hospitals? Do we switch doctors? And the Lord's like, no, you need to be in this hospital and you need a doctor. I was like, okay, like sure. Which now we know that was definitely necessary to be at a hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just looked up like where ultrasounds, where can we do this in? Like, I'm not having Joel miss that moment. Like I'm not hearing our baby's heartbeat for the first time by myself without him. Like he's also a first time dad. Like this is something he's looked forward to his whole life. And so and I, he wanted, he wanted to be there. And so I think I just Googled, you know, or Yelped, thank you, Yelp, um, these ultrasound places. And we found one that was like two miles from our house that allowed Joel to come in. Mm-hmm. 
So we added some extra appointments for ultrasounds that anytime I'd have an ultrasound the next day, we went to um, this ultrasound place in Upland and, you know, did one there. So we did the best we could to not make it feel like we missed anything in terms of um, doctor's appointments. Um, We wanted to do a gender reveal, but that didn't happen. We did it just with our families, which was very special. Mm -hmm. Uh, We wanted to do like, you know, your baby shower and it ended up being uh, a really, really great experience. We saw people we hadn't seen in six months because we did a drive-by baby shower and people stopped, said hi really quick, waved and Mm -hmm. got to see people that, you know, we just dearly missed. So we did the best we could with what we had. Um, would I change it? Probably because you don't want to necessarily be pregnant during a pandemic when you can't yeah. see people and celebrate. And so, um, but I think we really did a great job together processing through, okay, how do we keep each other safe? How do we, um, protect Emmy? How do we protect me? How do we, um, protect those we love? How do we do this together and, and not feel like we got jibbed by a pandemic and by, you know, this global crisis that no one has anticipated coming. Um, and so leading up to pregnancy, I think we did a really good job. It was really hard not having visitors. Mm -hmm. Um, we loved, I think we would go back and do that again. Um, if we were to have another baby, we would probably do it again. Like just him and I, like it was so special. Mm -hmm. Um, the hard part was when I had to be readmitted and I had the extended hospital stays. That's where like having a visitor, AKA just my daughter would have been like a game changer. Like that was probably the hardest. Um, and the most traumatic experience for the both of us was when Joel had to leave me at the hospital and drive home with Emmy and processing through that. And he's home with a three day old baby and Mm -hmm. first time dad. So praise the Lord for his mom and sister and his dad that like just came over and stayed with Joel for a couple of days. I was still in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, cause the doctors were like, no, your, your daughter can't come in. She's considered a guest. I was like, you're like, no, she's earth. She just came out of my body. <laughs> like, hold on. We were here yesterday and we were yeah. both in the same room. And now you're saying I'm in the same room I was in yesterday. And now, so it was just super frustrating. Um, and, but we made it through, but I think that's a big piece of trauma that we're both still working through and processing through, um, how that looks and yeah. how that was for him to go home with his daughter and leave his wife. And so, yeah, a wild experience that I will yeah. Never forget and wish I could. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about since Emmy has been born, what has it looked like just to navigate parenthood and people, you know, telling you how you should do oh. things or not do oh things? My gosh. Yeah. And it's an know. interesting, like people have an opinion on your opinion, on their opinion about your opinion. Like there's an opinion for everything. <laughs> and <laughs> in a world where information is so easy and access is so easy, Um, I think people believe that they have, um, what's the right word access to you that they should be Mm -hmm. given, um, space inside your sacred place. And I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a big fan of community. If I think all of us learned in the last year, we were made for community. We need community. We are isolated. It's not healthy. It's not safe. Um, So don't hear me say that I don't value community. What I do value is being intentional um, as to who you allow to speak into those sacred spaces. And um, when you're a mom, when you're a wife, when you're a college student, when you're insert in 
your title and someone else who's been in that space, they have an opinion about how it should go. Um, and this is something that I've been processing through well up to before becoming a mom of how do I allow people to speak into my life? How do I listen to encouragement or um, advice and not be overwhelmed by all the opinions? Um, and so for me, it's creating your safe circle. And I have, you know, we have our parents and we have our siblings. Um, and then I have two very trusted friends and mentors that are opposites of each other, but at their core, um, they love the Lord and they love their kids and they are great moms. Um, and they want what's best for Emmy and I. Yeah. And so I'll ask them, I have a very small group of people that I ask and it is, um, whether it's a mattress or a car seat or, you know, just there's so many questions you're asking and decisions you have to make and decision fatigue is a very real thing. Um, and so I think there's, uh, I, I find value in limiting people's opinions that you yeah. ask, you know? Um, and so, yeah, just having, you, you know, them joy and Jen, having them balance each other out and, yeah. Um, Jen is kind and loving and, um, very, uh, understanding and joy is like, all right, here's how we're doing it. A, B, C, D. What are you doing? Get rid of that. No, you know, um, but I trust her and I've, I've seen them both mother their kids and how they maintain their marriage. And, um, everyone has an opinion and you don't have to listen to that opinion as well. Right. So, um, I think joy and Jen have both given advice that I've said, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't think that's right for our family and they respect that. And so I think that's important with opinions is that they're willing to respect when you make a decision that's different than theirs. Um, because they know that at the end of the day, you're trusting your gut and you're trusting, um, who you believe to be best and doing what's best for your family. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. How, um, how has it been navigating, just society's expectation of, you know, you and I have talked about how it, it was tough of the expectation of you'll come back to work and mm-hmm. and everything will be as if you didn't even have a kid, but your kid still <laughs> exists and matters. It's, it's right? amazing. Um, talk to us a little bit about the research you've done of how Western culture has mm-hmm. really stripped moms of the experience of really getting to bond in those first few months. Yeah. I think, I think it's first of all, I'll say, I think I work with, um, or work for one of the most incredible bosses. He is, um, family first, family friendly. He is Emmy's on a call more than she's not. Um, and that's for our whole team. They all have babies and the babies are on the call and he loves it. And so I will say that I feel very blessed, very fortunate to work for the company that I do work at. And so when I returned to work, um, I, I had to go on bed rest. I'll back up really quick. So I went on bed rest, uh, supposed to be for six weeks, ended up being only for two because Emmy said, hello, here I am. Um, and then I had an additional six weeks following that of maternity leave and, um, the company was great, you know, and I, I didn't ask for more time because I didn't, A, think I would need it. Um, and B, I was like, I work from home. So why I can do this. Right. Um, that I would change. I probably would have asked for a few more weeks, um, but knowing what I knew, like I thought, okay, this is what society does. You go back to work in six weeks. I don't need to ask for more time because I work from home. My daughter's right here. I'm here. You know, we can do all these things from home. Um, 
but you look across the pond and as I say, and you get a year off. And I was like, wow, that's, what do you do with the year? You know, like pre baby, like, what do you do for that whole year? Um, and the, the saying of like, it takes a village and how quite literally you do need a village. You do need more than just, than just you. And, um, whether that be for helping with sleeping or, you know, diaper changing or watching or grow, you know, whatever it is, like you just need more than, um, you. And I don't think there's any shame in asking for that help, but that's another tangent that we could go off on, but I've been doing a lot of research on, you know, sleep training and the cry it out method and all these just different, um, or co-sleeping or, I mean, again, the decision fatigue is ridiculous. Uh, you have to make a decision about everything all day long and, um, everything's controversial. And so you choose one and there's a hundred reasons why you shouldn't do it. And you choose the other and there's that, you know, another hundred reasons why you shouldn't do that. And so, um, it's been really interesting to just kind of look through where did some of these practices come into play and why did they come into play and how did that happen? And, you know, the, the sleep training and, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to read the research on it and to read the studies on it. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm a wimp. I like, can't full disclosure. I can't do the cry out method. Um, I, it is just, <laughs> I props to parents who can, um, I just, I can't do it. So if that's you, great job. If you want to come take my kid for a night and do that <laughs> sleep trainer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, you know, there's, it's just, everything works differently for different families. Right. And so we're in a season where, especially right now, cause Emmy's like fighting bedtime left and right. Uh, it'd be so nice. I had uh, a good friend of mine a couple of years ago, they'd put their son in the crib and they'd walk out and he'd fall asleep within like 30 seconds. And I was like, that is what I want to do. when I'm a parent, like love that. Um, it doesn't work on in our house, but I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. And so there's, there's times where it's like, man, it would be nice to be able to just put her in her crib and like watch a show or hang out or have dinner without her sitting on her lap, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not our season. And we've, we're okay with that because we do bed share. We do, you know, the healthy, the seven safe steps for co-sleeping and what that looks like. And, um, and the girl wakes up super happy and she smiles all day long and she just wakes up knowing she's safe and, um, she's not scared, you know? So for us, it works. We're in a season where, again, I work remote. Um, I don't have to be in the office in a certain time. So most of the day I'll start work from my bed because Emmy's still sleeping right next to me. Um, and then, you know, Joel's working out or whatever, and he takes her during the day and we're able to, to contact nap. And, um, I recognize like what a huge privilege that is to be able to both have full-time jobs that are so flexible that we can navigate our work around our daughter's schedule and what what she needs. And Mm. it just, it's, it goes so quick. Like it's the most cliche saying for a reason, you know? Um, and so, yeah, for us, we've, we've made that choice of like, this is what we think is best for, for our family. Um, and we have to defend that choice. I'd say more often than not, which Mm. is very surprising. Um, judgmental duties are all around and yeah. So it's been interesting to see a lot of that contact napping and our, um, sleep training and all of that developed from moms having to go back to work. Um, mm-hmm. you can't put your kid in daycare if they can't 
sleep in the crib and they train them to sleep in the crib at daycare. Like I've heard many success stories of that. Um, but a daycare can't hold 10 kids to sleep all at the same time. Right. So it's one of these things where, okay, we have a need for moms to be back at work. They have kids. We have society in the Western culture where it's like, have a baby, but still work like you don't. Um, and so those, a lot of those kids end up, um, with daycare or with family members, or, you know, we have, I have great friends that are teachers and doctors and they love that for themselves. They love that like work-life balance. Um, but that's a lot where a lot of this stuff came from of just, if you have to go back to work, your kids got to take a nap and where do they do that nap? If it can't be on you. Um, and with some work that I've been able to do in Europe, um, and some work I've been able to do in, um, in Africa as well, like there's just a different culture, a different way of doing things. And so I saw mm-hmm. that way of doing things. And then when I had my own kids, I questioned, well, why is it, th- why is it different here versus there? Yeah. Um, and that's what caused me to start, start researching and start learning more, start looking at the studies and mm. is this safe? Is this okay? You know, what is, what does that look like? So yeah, we do things, we do things very different. We encourage the mom to get back to work right away. Um, and for some moms, they love it and they're super happy to get back after six weeks. And some moms, they don't love it and they wish they could stay home and they, you know, quit their jobs and they aren't, excelling on the career path they wanted to because they want to be a mom they don't feel like they can do both and um it's just a very a very interesting um topic to c- continue unpacking because i think there's a lot of disservice that is done to um to moms when we say hey great raise a family and work full time in and 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 so mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful testimony. I think too, it's it's really interesting. I mean, coming from a social work background, but also, you know, I'm about halfway through this book called Attached and hmm. talking about how our attachment styles are very much the same as when we were born with our parents and other people and and how impactful our attachment, whether it be secure or anxious or avoidant or anxious avoidant, mm-hmm. uh, it matters and it carries on to how we like just engage with other people in adulthood. And it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. That's how our, how our bodies and minds bond, but it's really important of, you know, it's, and I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but I've nannied plenty of kids. It's really, yes, Auntie Steph. I will take that title before, until I become mom and then I'll still be Auntie Steph, <laughs> um, but it's really, it's, it's really neat being able to see my mom friends do it their way. And there's Mm -hmm. not a sense of rightness and wrongness of each kid was individually fastened by God. Like God Mm -hmm. literally says he individually fastens our hearts and how beautiful that is that we get to do things in a way that is best for us. And how do you think you've navigated you and then you and Joel um, just being close to God in the word and prayer and really asking for discernment on Mm -hmm. how to block out the things from the negative folk, as well as just be like, okay, they're giving me wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great question. I think, um, we've had to have a, you know, a lot of conversations and we have them, um, intentionally, it's not an avoidant conversation. Again, I think a lot of our healthy communication came from a year and a half of literally him and I, yeah. um, I guess I'd say nine months of him and I now nine months with just Emmy. Um, and when it's just two of you, you can't let something go 
undiscussed, right? So it really helped us in our communication, our conflict. Um, but I am so, so, so thankful that he's fully on board um, and in agreement with how we've, we haven't really butt heads when it comes to parenting styles or strategies, which mm-hmm. um, I am just so, so thankful for that. It's been, it's been really fluid and really smooth. Um, some nights we're like, man, we want to put her in the crib because like, we just want to have dinner. Um, but we know at the end of the day, like you said, that, yeah, attachment, um, that development is so early on and it's, I forget, I'm drawing a blank on the stat. Um, I think you might, you'll probably know, but like how much of the brain is developed by three years, Mm. it's like 80% or something. Let's Google it. We're talking. Um, and so it's, we have such a short window to, to really help develop healthy emotional connections um to develop you know their reactions their responses and and i i'm hesitant to say some of what i've I've researched and i've read and the studies and the conclusions because i don't want it to be shaming i don't want it to like make other parents question what they're doing because it does work for them Mm -hmm. um you know but there's there's a study that came out that just talked about um the cry it out method that kids don't they can't self-soothe that, that, that part of their brain is not developed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, they're not learning to self-soothe They're They're actually learning that someone's not coming. So they stop crying. They stop asking for help. And when I read that, I was like, Nope, I can't. Like, I don't want my daughter to ever think I'm not showing up like my job above everything else, aside from, um, you know, being a daughter of God and a wife to Joel, like it is, my job is to mother Emmy, to take care of her, to provide for her, um, for her to always know that she's loved. And so if that means that, you know, she has 10 wake ups in the night, so be it like, eventually she's going to sleep through the night. I'm not going to college with her when she's 18 to see her, like she will learn. Um, and I think it's an expectation that I'm not willing to place on my child to have her sleeping through the night by four months or six months or nine months or whatever, like night she does. And I'm like, praise be like, yes, girlfriend, you slept through the night and we're so glad last night she said, hello, it's two 30. And I am, I'm here. And I'm like, great. Go to sleep. <laughs> She's like, no. And, uh, I, I fell asleep before my last set pumping session. And so I was like, oh no. So Joel's trying to feed her a bottle and I'm trying to pump. And honestly, all she wanted was to just snuggle back up and we snuggled. I gave her a bottle and she fell right to sleep. Um, and I can't blame her. This is off topic, but like I sleep better next to someone, you know? So like, of course you're going to sleep better next to someone. It's just, I think it's a normal, healthy feeling to like feel safer when you're with someone else. And, um, I just, I don't know why we have a different expectation for our kids to go sleep by themselves in this big, scary room in the big, scary crib. And she's a little baby. She doesn't know where she's at. So that was a tangent, but, um, that's so beautiful. So I, yeah, I want her to always feel that Joel and I are both there for her. And, um, she basically gets two full-time at-home parents all the time. And, um, you know, when we talk finances or when we talk, um, our goals for the future with Joel and I, like, what are, what are our hopes? What is, what do we want for our family and how do we take daily steps to make that happen? Um, you know, I think it's very rare for a baby to be able to have their dad home full-time but also working full-time. And then when dad's at work, mom's home full-time and just getting full attention of your parents. Um, so again, it is, 
I recognize that privilege right off the bat that our careers allow us to do that. Um, but yeah, we've had, we have family members that do parenting different. Mm-hmm. Um, and we honor that we honor the way that they, um, and even admire in some aspects, like, like, wow, I'm like proud you did the cry dot method and now your kids go to sleep super easy mm-hmm. and they're good. And their relationship now is still great. Um, so I'm, I admire the fact that they're able to do that. Cause I, I flat out can't, um, and you know, so we have to, you know, have conversations of when a family member says like, Hey, that's a bad idea. Or we think you're going to regret this or, you know, insert in negative comment about the choice right. we've chosen. Um, we look at it, we process it. Okay. Here's what they're saying. I wonder where that might've come from. How does it impact us? Yeah. What do we do or do we not do moving forward? Um, hmm. And, you know, the one, the offhand's like, oh, are they in their crib yet? Nope. They're not. Yeah. She's, I've got a beautiful crib. I love, I love working in her room or being in her room. Um, it doesn't get used every now and then it does. Um, but she actually did a very good nap in her crib yesterday. We needed her to, and she did. Um, but it's just, we feel confident in that we are doing what God has called us to do in the season of parenting, yeah. um, parenting how we should. And so we just stand on that and we respectfully say, you know, she's not, she's still, she's still sleeping with us and we love it. Or, you know, there's, there's many different ways to navigate those comments, um, mm-hmm. that are still respectful and honorable and loving. Um, especially when it's a family member or someone who's close to you, who believes that they should have direct access and direct impact into how you parent, mm-hmm. um, can be really challenging. Well, I think it was neat. even got to, you know, go visit, uh, the Belks gosh, July, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a long time ago already. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's so neat to see, like, she really didn't cry. Um, which is not to say kids who, you know, sleep in a crib don't or are crying right. all the time, but there's a difference being able to see, you know, a child who is so comfortable in the presence of her parents. So I think that was super encouraging to me. Um, how have you navigated just your identity kind of shifting, not necessarily, but adding a new identity of mother? Um, and how have you really leaned into scripture, just your prayer life with God to mm-hmm. be really strong in those things? Yeah, I would say in the last two years since Joel and I got married, um, my complete identity has really shifted from like single and kind of doing what you want and not doing what you want, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah to, um, married to mom. Um, and I don't think there's anything that makes you pray more than having a kid. (laughs) I, from the very beginning, I mean, her journey to conception started through prayer and throughout pregnancy, like you, we had a lot of trauma and that brought a lot of prayer. Um, not necessarily out of like, well, we pray for a healthy baby out of like desperation of like, Lord, please keep her. Like, let us keep this baby. And, um, you know, even up until the emergency induction of her, like it was just, there's so much prayer that led to her birth and her safe arrival here, um, earth side. And now she's earth side and that's just as terrifying, right? <laughs> like if not more, um, whether it's, you know, okay, do we, 
do just purees for food or do we start introducing solids early? Cause there's this whole new like baby led weaning and you give your baby like half of a banana and she's six months old. And I'm like, what? Emmy's going to choke, you know? Yeah. It's really cool. when kids can do it. Um, I can't, <laughs> I'm like, she's going to choke. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, we tried and I mean, we tried by like little bites. It's anyways, different topics. So there's just so many different aspects of prayer when it comes to finding your doctor and, she ran into the wall. She's learning how to crawl, but she thinks she can go through a wall right now. She can't, you know, so, you know, there's just so many things that are happening every single day that, um, praying for, you know, primarily her physical health. Um, and as she's growing and recognizing, okay, like she's understanding, she's seeing things. She, she gets it. She, um, she bit me yesterday and it hurts so bad. I was like, oh, I like jolted. Um, I was like, I was like, wow, that really hurt. And like my facial reaction changed and then her facial reaction changed. And then she just broke down. I was like, oh, you're, you're fine. Like you didn't, it's okay. Like, no, yeah. Well, you know, and so she's learning emotion. She's learning, um, her impact and how she, um, contributes to things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, how do we now continue praying for her emotional and spiritual yeah. development? What does that look like? Um, and so I would say to answer your question, like 90% of my prayer life is around Emmy, right? Like keeping her safe and praying for patience and grace and more patience and more grace, um, and supernatural energy. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been really cool to recognize days where like, I didn't open up my Bible and it was a really bad day and I didn't have grace. I didn't have patience. Like what is off today? And like, oh that's, that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that me time, whether it's five minutes in the shower or it's a 20 minute workout, or it's insert your activity where you can decompress, you can unplug, you can just be, um, and you can be with the Lord and we need that time. Right. Like it's so easy to keep pouring out, to keep pouring out and to, Oh, I don't need a shower, but I'll give Emmy a bath. Like no girlfriend, go take a shower give yourself five minutes. It doesn't have to be a long shower. Do you not have to wash your hair this time, but like give yourself You're right. that five minutes to shower. Um, because it's not just a shower you need, but it's what you probably need, but it's that alone time to, to pray, to just, to, to rest, to recover, um, to go on a walk, to work out mm. again, to pray, to recover. And so sometimes, yeah, it's putting in the stroller and we go for a walk and that's, she's chilling. She's good. Um, and that space where I can, pray and be with God and listen to worship music or going for a drive, putting her in the car seat, turning on worship music, like whatever it is to still maintain, um, you and to still root your identity in, um, a daughter of God and not in a mom and not in a wife and not in a worker or a, an employee or a teacher or whatever it is. Like when we add on false identity and we add on not false, but we add on, um, we inflate other identities to be more than our true identity. Like my identity as a daughter of God will never trump my identity as Emmy's mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think if we ever get those out of alignment, that's where we're going to have a lot of these identity crises and Mm -hmm. um, these crushing moments to who am I? Well, everything in my world has literally changed in the last two years from where we live um, everything. And at the core of who I am though, it is still, I'm still a daughter of God. Um, I've just added on, I've added on titles, um, and I've added on roles, but my identity hasn't changed. 
Yeah. And so I think that's probably my challenge to moms, to new moms. Um, your identity as a mom is it's a title. It's not an identity, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's something you do, but it's not who you are. Like you are a child of God, uh, first and foremost and only, Mm -hmm. um, and then you have these other responsibilities and titles and jobs that are gifts that are added on. Um, but it doesn't change who you are at the core. Yeah. And so continuing to find areas and ways to strengthen that identity of being a child of God and not a mom, um, I think will help maintain, maintain who you are. Um, cause again, nothing's changed in your identity, even though your entire world just flipped upside down mm-hmm. uh, and you're not sleeping. Yeah. You're still a daughter of God. And that is, um, the utmost important. Yeah. That's so good. Would you give our listeners just some practical pieces of encouragement, even just things that you've done that are helpful in leaning into that identity of being a daughter of God, uh, but also understanding just the complications of people's opinions, things we've already talked oh, yeah. about so far of like really being able to just securely know that we're, when we're in close proximity with God and really listening to what he says, he's going to make things clear and mm-hmm. his word and, and voice are so much more important than listening to other people. So what are some practical takeaways that we can glean from? Yeah, I think, gosh, there's, there's uh, practical ones that are succinct. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a really loud voice in this world and a lot of them are really well-meaning. Um, but at the end of the day, I do your best to turn, turn those voices down, um, and turn up the voice of God. This is something, you know, my mentor said to me years ago uh, about something totally different, but has just come into play in my everyday life right now is, um, you know, turning down the radio, um, turning down the noise, turning down, um, the opinions, the, you know, the news, the, you should do this, you should do that, yada, yada, yada. And just fully turning up the voice of the Lord, um, turning up the voice of, um, your spouse turning up, you know, who you're co-parenting with and, um, letting those be the voices that are really speaking to you. Um, mm-hmm. and then adding in those voices of trusted mentors. Um, don't Google things. It's a really scary place. <laughs> I'm go back real quick. Like uh, and the, most, the most practical one, um, which I am awful at, I will admit I'm awful at turning to Google. And so I've had to learn like, this isn't, this isn't smart. Right. So, um, how do we, how our loudest voice that we hear be the voice of the Lord. And that comes through prayer that comes through reading our Bible that comes through worship music that comes through, you know, intentionally creating that space. And so even if it's okay, it's time for lunch for Emmy. And when we're going to, we're going to have worship music in the background because it's still playing. It's still flowing in our home. Um, we have soaking music on often just to have it in the background um, to help create a peaceful atmosphere. Um, so I'd say be very intentional of whose voice you are listening to would be one. Um, and then the second step, well, one, and then one a is don't go to Google. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and then I would say the second step is be very careful with your time. Be very intentional with your time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such, such a short season. And, um, even though it drags on and it can feel like it's been forever, um, be intentional where you're spending 20 minutes. Are you hiding in the bathroom and scrolling, scrolling on Instagram or 
are you hiding in the bathroom and, you know, reading the Bible app on your phone or listening to a devotional or pulling up a message from church? Um, I think I saw somewhere that was on Instagram, ironically, of not letting our phones get the best of us. And so, you know, turn off social media, turn off um, all of that and open up your Bible, even for 30 seconds, right? Read a verse, um, meditate on something, just give yourself the space that you need um, so you're not constantly pouring out all the time that you have. Yeah, absolutely. That's so beautiful. It's cool too. I mean, you guys can't see her, but <laughs> we're all recording uh, Zoom and it's just like, it's it's neat to be able, be able to feel just a presence of peace. Um, there is a difference when you know, you can see friends who are moms or, you know, working in their career and everything, these things, um, and it can easily become their identity, but you've done so well at just keeping the peace of God very present. And like she said, soaking music is a beautiful thing. When I walked in their house, I immediately knew it was playing, but it shifts the atmosphere of really giving God that authority and asking the Holy spirit to just saturate the spaces that we are in because we're protected that way. And, uh, it's a lot easier to hear the voice of God when, when we've opened ourselves up to receive that. So that's amazing. And I think, I mean, I just have to like fully, fully, fully shout out, like just the gift that my husband is and the way that he serves Emmy and I, and, um, the confidence he brings and the peace that he also brings, like he is a carrier of peace and, mm-hmm. um, in the most traumatizing and scary places, like he walks into a room and it just feels like a safer place. And so mm-hmm. all of this, like, yeah. I feel like I'm only able to do what I can do because I have such a supportive and caring, um, and loving husband. And so I don't, any of this sound like it's all on me. And, um, like my husband has been, and he's an incredible dad. Um, him and Emmy are downstairs playing right now. And honestly, she's probably napping, um, on Joel because he's fully on board with that. Um, but so I just, I want to just really think publicly, I guess, since we still don't go out public, um, just like, appreciate him and thank him for just like his love and support and, Mm -hmm. um, his partnership and parenting. Like it's not, it's not my job to raise our daughter. It's both of ours. And, um, he even said yesterday, just how much he loves the season of days with Emmy and, uh, how we both are coming together and, you know, relying on the Lord and on one another, Mm -hmm. um, to raise her in a place where she feels peace and love and, um, God's presence. Yeah. So good. also sidebar, cause I still have it pulled up. The child's brain develops oh, yes. the most at five, yes. uh, like 90% basically is what it's yeah. So by the time they're five years old, their brain is like almost developed. And so I think that's why. Woo! <laughs> <counseling>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to have Katrina pray us out, but, um, as always, we just, you know, we're having these conversations, building community that honors God, because I think we have such deeper, 
um, just communion with God, but also one another when we're having these conversations that matter so much to his heart. Um, and so I just, you know, she's going to pray us out, but I also pray for everyone listening, even a dad who's struggling to understand mom perspective, um, of, we just want to just edify your experience of you're doing the work and, and leaning into the voice of God to really be that discerning and, and guiding hand in your life. So just praying, just, um, encouragement over you and affirming, that life is hard and it's complicated, <laughs> especially the last 18 months. Um, but you're doing it and that's what matters. So praise out cap. Yeah. Um, before I do just one last thing, cause that's, you know, pretty much said, but I hope, I hope you find encouragement in this, um, whether it's how you sleep train or how you feed your baby or, um, the amount of outside play time they get, or if you use melon to trim the nails, like whatever it is, <laughs> Um, it's the only way I can do it. Um, whatever it is, like you are doing the best thing for you and your baby. And that is good. And that is, um, that is enough. And, um, you as a mom or as a dad are enough for your baby and you are not, um, they are not lacking and they would not be better off somewhere else. So, um, mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, I, our heart for this conversation was never to shame or judge or, um, or any of that. And so I just want to overly communicate that what you are doing and the choices you're making for you and your family, um, are the right choices, yeah. uh, hold strong to those, honor those choices, um, be proud of those choices and continue doing what you believe is best, uh, for your family. So with that, I will praise really quick. Um, God, we just thank you for, for who you are. We thank you for, um, your direct, relationship with us. We thank you for the sacrifices you made for that relationship. God, we thank you for the way that you see us, the way you comfort us, the way you bring peace and joy. Um, God, we thank you for the arms that you wrap around us. And we thank you for just who you are. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, for, um, for his guidance and love um, through daily life. Yeah. God, we thank you for the opportunity um, to be moms. We thank you for the opportunity um, to be aunties. We thank you for the opportunity to be in community um, with one another an opportunity to see kids grow and come to know you. Um, God, at the end of the day, our hope is that our children come to know who you are at a young age, that they, um, fall deep, deep, deeply in love with you, um, and follow you all the days of their life. And so God, we just pray for all the moms, all the dads, for, um, the kids that are attached to those mom dads. Um, God, we just pray for their health. We pray for, um, their spiritual health. We pray for their emotional and physical health as well. Um, and God, we pray a special blessing of um, strength and encouragement and peace over the moms who are in the thick of it, who are in sleepless nights and um, in the fearful uh, trembles of what is what is new mom life look like and um, how do you breastfeed and how do you pump and how do you wash the bottle? And is, there's just so many things that happens every day, Lord, you know, and so we just um, we just pray for the mom who feels lost and overwhelmed and um, we pray that you are with her. God, I pray for the moms who have um, multiple kids and the seasoned moms and the moms that are balancing four different schedules um, and going from piano to soccer to football to track and who knows what else, God. We just pray for those moms who mm-hmm. um, may be running on empty. God, may you give them supernatural energy. May you create um, spaces in their life um, to come to you with, with all they need. Um, and so, God, we just thank you for your partnership. Um, with us and sharing the gospel. We thank you for the opportunity to raise our little disciples. Um, 
So Laura, we just ask that you will be with, um, be with those who are listening and those um, that are not. We just pray at peace and blessings over all of them. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for those of you who tuned in today and we will see you next week for another great podcast.